Alan, I want to mention to you how thrilled I am to come and find this connection with Haiti because for the last 15 years or so, I have come and gone with mission trips to Haiti, and it is dear to my heart. And to know that I can bridge that here is so exciting. And to know Fon Cosé, uh, which I am very impressed with, and to know that you all are supporting it in such dynamic ways. Uh, there's so much more to learn and so much more to do and so many ways that they witness to us about the power of faith uh, that I look forward to keeping that connection alive. And thank you. Thank you for that. Our gospel reading this morning comes from our lectionary, the assigned readings for this time of year, the first Sunday in Lent. They come from Matthew's gospel. We'll be wandering through Matthew's gospel in the lectionary uh, off and on through this year. Matthew's gospel is fascinating. Matthew is writing to the Jewish community that he is a part of as they become followers of the way of Christ. And what does that mean? What does that mean and how do you do it mainly? And that book, Matthew's gospel, becomes what people call the handbook for disciples. Through the centuries, that's the way it's been known. And I think we can surely learn good lessons from Matthew about how to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Matthew's main point, though, is showing the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of human beings. What is going on between us and our ways? And what would God like us to do and like us to be and live fully into that? And so we come and listen to Jesus' story, and we watch Jesus model the life that we're all to live together. And today... It's Matthew 4, it's Jesus in the wilderness, and at the beginning of Lent, that's sort of a critical thing to put in our mind and listen to how Jesus discerned his own life, his own purpose, his own meaning. Listen, for God's word for you. And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, and you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him again, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And the devil said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's join together in prayer. Oh God, we come here awaiting your voice, to hear your voice speaking to us. And so speak to each of us 
speak to all of us, and may we be both hearers and doers of your word. Amen. I'm sure you all know that the word Lent, beside the stuff in our dryer like we talked about a minute ago, (laughs) but the word Lent also is an old English word for spring. And this has been a glorious weekend for spring, hadn't it? I mean, it's been a glorious weekend for Florida girls who get their sweaters out when it goes to 70, right? So it has felt good for me to be uh, in a sweater and to be enjoying the flowers and everything. About two weeks ago, my daughter and I drove up to North Carolina, and you know, you can look back in the woods and see the dogwoods blooming. I mean, it's just exquisite. It's a sure reminder that God's creative energy is loose in the world. Thanks be to God. But it's also a time for us on our Christian calendar for us to grow. Not only are the trees and the bushes offered an opportunity in the spring to blossom, but our Christian calendar gives us 40 days in Lent to help us grow on our spiritual journey. Not only grow on our spiritual journey, but grow closer to God, grow closer to ourselves, who God intends us to be, and to grow closer to each other. Understanding what it means to live a life like Christ. And so on this Sunday of Lent, this first Sunday of Lent, our lectionary reading from Matthew takes us into the wilderness with Jesus. Here in the wilderness after 40 days, and 40 is a symbol of struggle and of testing. You remember the people of Israel were formed as a people after how long? 40 years. Jesus was a little quicker, 40 days. 40 years wandering, 40 days, Jesus. But it means testing. It's one of those symbolic numbers that means testing. Faces the great tempter, the great test giver. Have you all been in the wilderness? Been in a wilderness on a trip or hiking or exploring? Been out where it's rocky and dry and massive in expanse? A few years ago, I had the opportunity to go with a group of women to Ghost Ranch. It's outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's one of our um, denomination's retreat centers. It's an incredible place. Uh, It also is a challenging place. The surroundings are stark and unsettling and strange for a Florida girl. The horizon is endless. I mean, it's just massive. You can see forever, you can see storms a hundred miles away on the horizon. I felt very vulnerable out there, not sure of myself, unsure on the sandy, rocky terrain. Narrow ledges ran around hills and across mountains. My fears, my preoccupations, my preconceptions were that this place was full of snakes and tigers and lions, oh my. I kept thinking, What happens if? What will we do if? How will we get out of this thing? And the wilderness was surely winning. I wasn't. And Matthew writes the story of Jesus in the wilderness almost so you can feel it. You can feel Jesus' struggle, although with assurance. You can feel the tempter breathing down his neck. You can imagine after fasting for 40 days and nights, just how tough a place it was for Jesus. 
But Matthew writes it this way so that we can enter the story, so that we can find ourselves in there, because not only is Jesus struggling in the story, but Matthew's inviting us as disciples to come into the story and struggle ourselves. To clarify for ourselves, for this moment, this time, this place, who we are and whose we are. This is a time for us to reflect on our lives as followers of Jesus. And as we do, to see our own temptations, our own places of testing, and wrestle with them. Wrestle with them. Because it's part of who we are. It's part of how we see and understand God. In Matthew's Gospel, in the chapter just previous to this wilderness experience of Jesus, Jesus has been baptized by John in the Jordan. He had heard the voice of God, his father, say, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. It was a holy and a sacred moment for Jesus. But now Jesus enters the harsh reality of our humanity in this wilderness place, wrestling with what lies ahead for him, his ministry, his mission. His life as God's blessing, not only to humanity, but to all creation. The sacred mingles with the messiness of our lives. But Jesus doesn't blink an eye. Jesus faces hunger, he faces need, he faces loneliness, the things that would break me down. Jesus meets head on. He meets it head on, thoughtfully, clearly, ready. Jesus is responding from the very core of his being, from the very center of who he is, the very center of his life. He quotes scripture from Deuteronomy, things that he knows well. It feeds him. It gives him solutions to life's challenges and the temptations before him. Jesus is very clear because he knows his core. He knows he is the beloved child of God and that he has a mission in the name of God. Jesus' story is centered in being the beloved of God and of having complete complete trust in God's will and God's purpose for his life. Jesus' story is not a story of power and earthly might, but it's a love story. A love story built on the foundation of steadfastness and justice and truth and grace. I don't know what wilderness has come into your mind as we've been thinking about this wilderness place with Jesus. Maybe it's a situation or maybe it's just a feeling. The wilderness of disease, the wilderness of loneliness, the wilderness of change of physical limitation, the wilderness of newness, of critical decisions, the wilderness of loss. These times we wrestle through, and we wrestle with what we know and what we have learned and what we have observed from others in similar places. But I believe this text calls us to do some very deep work on ourselves 
and reorient ourselves to what already exists deep within us. The very thing that Jesus was holding on to tightly. What he believed and what he understood of life as he lived life in partnership, in connection with the God who shaped and formed him and gave him to us. And in so doing, helped for us to see who we were, who we are, and what we're to be about in this world. Because the wrestling that Jesus does in this wilderness is not whether Jesus is the Son of God or not. That's not what the wrestling match is about. But it's what it means for Jesus to be the Son of God. Jesus faces very human, very worldly temptations, hunger, spectacular successful outcomes, and power. But he faces them with his ethos, with his core, firmly formed in his response, in being obedient to the path that God has put before him, trusting and loving and being faithful. And this is where we wrestle as well. It's not whether we are God's beloved or not. Friends, that was signed and sealed. Mine was, I first heard those words right over there at that baptismal font. It's a little tiny, well, I never think of those days anymore. I don't think it was ever very little or tiny. But right around there, I was baptized as a baby. And it was there that I heard in front of you all, many of you here today, You are the beloved child of God for the first time. Do you remember that for yourselves? We are the beloved children of God. We've got to live like that. We don't have to worry about it. We are. That's great good news. Thanks be to God. What Matthew is showing us in this story, this Jesus story, is what it means to have a trusting relationship with God that doesn't ask for miraculous exceptions to the limitations of of being fully human, of being fully who God created us to be. Some years ago, I went through a very dark, long night of the soul. I wondered where God was. I wondered if the decisions I might make would be the ones that God would want me to make. I struggled with discernment. I struggled for quite a while, about six years or more. And then one day, friends from New York City, the wife of this good friend I'm going to talk about a little bit, had grown up in this church with me, and they lived in New York City now. And her husband was a Stephen minister in their church in New York. And my friend, as we were eating lunch, he asked how my wrestling was going with my decision. And I admitted it was going miserably. And I could tell he wasn't going to let me off very easily. He said, you're a pastor? What would you tell someone who came to see you who was in the same situation? I felt the truth of his question go through me like an electric shock. What would I say? I knew immediately what I would say because I had said it before many times. Find your truth. Find the justice in your life. Find the authenticity in your life. Find your self-respect, your love. Know that you are God's child and God has purpose for you. My friend listened and then he said, so tell yourself those things and then let me know how you feel. 
I thought for a long time and then I very quietly said, I know, I know. I was able to speak my core belief, but it was a lot harder to get that core relief to speak to me in the place that I was because I wasn't listening, I wasn't discerning, I wasn't going to where I needed to be. When I lined up what was truthful and just and authentic for me, I knew very clearly what my next steps were. The best good news is that I didn't go alone. There was a community, this community, and others who wanted to share those same values for their lives, who wanted to live the Christ life with me, who wanted to stand with me and with each other in the wilderness. And when I came through my soul's wilderness and I found new growth, I had traveled through fear and anxiety and terrifying moments and become very clear about whose I was and who I was intended to be. In later years, I had my mother witness to me about core beliefs. My mother wrestled with Alzheimer's for about 18 years, and I saw how her core values spoke loudly out of the very center of her God-given ethos. That even in those days when mother always or couldn't speak, she could find a way to express gratitude, which had been at the core of her life, her entire life. My mother would thank people who didn't even know they had done anything. She'd walk over and say, thank you, thank you for that, thank you for this, even to be criticized for thanking people. But when she no longer could speak, when she could no longer know who was near her or touching her or helping her, somewhere deep within her, when that moment was over, She had the energy to move her lips, and on her lips you could see, thank you, thank you. It was a powerful moment. It was a powerful moment for the core values that we choose to live, that God has given us to live so that we will be authentically human, be authentically who God intends us to be, not just as individuals, but as a community of faith. And so, on this first Sunday of Lent as a child of this church, having heard for the first time those words, beloved child of God in this very sanctuary, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for sustaining a place so that others and ourselves who face tough wilderness moments have companions for the journey, who know and share core values, Core values of love and truth and justice and authenticity, all balanced, as you were talking about balance, all balanced with grace. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for providing this place of study and reflection. So many of you have given your lives so that we could learn together and reflect together on who we are as children of God, as people of God, as the called community of faith in this place. And you have held that together for many years. 
hundred years and more. I thank you for that. And I thank you for letting God form you mightily into a loving community. A loving community where all of us can come and be blessed and sense God's grace and be sustained and nurtured to be the people God intends us to be in powerful ways. Barbara Brown Taylor says, Lent is the time of the greening of the human soul. I love that. Lent is the time of the greening of the human soul, pruned with repentance, fertilized with fasting, spritzed with self-appraisal, mulched with prayer. Lent is a time for our discerning whose we are. And when we do that, living that out as who we are on the mission of the, from the seed that God planted in us the beginning of time. Jesus gives us an incredible story that informs our discernment. Centering prayer that we're talking about this week and in the weeks ahead is a perfect way to get there, to do that deep inner work. So may we together lose our appetite if we want to give something up, our appetite of the things that can't save us, and learn to trust the Spirit of God that is leading us through the wilderness and be ready to worship the Lord our God and serve no other all the days of our lives. Amen.